There is such a grace of God's presence in this place. And I remember being here. I can't remember exactly when. Was it two years ago? When was it? Two years in August. I remember the Lord saying, "If and he get, the word he gave me to preach was, if you will be his house, he will give you your house. And then he told me what to tell you. How, how, do you, how are you God's house? How do you become his house? You become his house by your love for one another. By how you care for each other. Because that's, that's, that's his home. You. And that place of unity and that place of love, that becomes his house. Amen. And then pretty much what Jesus said that if you love one another, you obey his commands. He said, I'll come to you and I'll manifest myself to you. He said, and if you do these things, if you love one another, you walk in those commandments, and he repeated it in a different way, my father and I will come and we will make our dwelling with you. And I just felt the presence of the Lord this morning. Matter of fact, so much so, I mean, during the worship, I'm like, I'm just going to stay seated. They can just keep worshiping. Amen. The presence of the Lord is here. And that would be my admonition to you. Pursue his presence. Place a premium and a demand on the presence of God. Buildings will come. Those things will happen. They simply house that which God esteems more highly in value than anything on this earth, and that's his people. Amen. 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 You are that which he prizes above all other things. And don't ever forget that. Amen. I also was thinking that this has kind of been like the cave of Adullam, you know. Does it seem that way? But that's okay. Sometimes God brings us into small places to teach us how to get close to each other and to teach us what truly matters. So that when the larger places come, we don't fall prey to what is humanly inherent and in that we separate and we drift apart. Don't, don't allow that to happen. You keep close. and You value one another. I was reminded of a passage of scripture this past week that I thought so profound. It's found in the book of Genesis when shortly after uh, Jacob leaves Laban that he'd been with his uncle for 20 some odd years. And that Jacob knew he had to face Esau. And if you know the story, Jacob had to... Uh, deal with his own nature. He had to deal with some fears of what, what he had to deal with before he really could get to his future. Wow. Some of you, the Lord wants you to deal with your Esau's. Amen. Amen. Jacob had 21 years of, of building this, this thought, this, this image in his mind of what it's okay, I got you here for a reason. 
So uh, I know this is hard for her, but. But Jacob came to a place called Jabbok, right? And there he wrestled, it says, with a man. But we know who the man was, right? I believe he wrestled with the Lord. He wrestled there until the breaking of the day. And he wouldn't let him go. He wasn't asking. He wasn't asking for lands. He wasn't asking for homes. He wasn't asking for those things. I believe what Jacob was asking was, Lord, you've got to change me. You've got to change me. And he did. And he gave him a new name. Called him Israel. Amen. He went from, from Jacob, which means hill catcher, supplanter, one who rises up and overthrows, deceiver. Why wouldn't you love to be called that name? Amen. I actually called my son Jacob. <laughs> but I also know what it means. Amen. And he had a wrestling match with God and he became Israel. It says, a prince of God, one who has power with God as a prince. Isn't that powerful? Amen. So Jacob goes to meet Esau. And I didn't plan on sharing this. I'm going I'm I'm to turn there so you've got it in front of you. Because if you don't have it in front of you, I don't think you'll believe it. All right? Yeah. Yes, I still want you. Genesis 33. You ready? So Jacob brings all of his flocks, his herds. He brings this massive gift to offer unto Esau. It's a form of of, of penance. It's a form of restitution. Does that make sense? In verse, verse 8, Esau says, What do you mean by all of this drove which I met? And Jacob said, These are to find grace in your sight and in the sight of my Lord. Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep that which you have unto yourself. And I feel this by the Spirit of the Lord. God's going to go above and beyond what you need. So much so, he's going to do it. And then he's going to tell you, you just keep the rest. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Just watch what he does. Praise God. Amen. And Jacob said, no, I pray if I have now found grace in your sight, then receive my present at my hand. Understand the history of what Jacob had wrestled with, dealt with, was in fear and trembling of. 
now he's met the Lord and he's been changed. And I want you to see this. For I have found, if I have found grace in your sight, then receive my present at my hand. This is what just blew me away. For therefore, I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God and you were pleased. This is what the Lord said to me. Can you see people like that? Not looking at them in their sin. Not looking at them from that place of where you've been wounded, offended. But from a place that you can actually see the very image of the one that they were created in the image and likeness of not allowing the enemy who through his deception and through his planning and scheming to cause division and separation that there would be such a change in me not Esau but in me that I would no longer see Esau the way I've seen him for the last 21 years but I would see him as though I am looking upon the face of God hallelujah. come on somebody needs to give God praise hallelujah There are some of you, you've been hurt, you've been wounded, you've been disappointed by those who were so close to you. You know, Jesus knows what that felt like, right? But he was the one that hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And I've said that at times, Lord, forgive them. I didn't say for they don't know what they're doing. I said, forgive them. They're just a bunch of idiots, Lord. <laughs> I think Jesus is a little bit more gracious than that. But when you begin to see God, his intention, his identity, not identifying people by their failures, by their sins. Listen, the scripture says, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute sins. Amen. To whom he does not regard or hold their iniquity against them. That's, that's prophesying of you and me. That's what David was saying. Amen. And I'm like, Lord, help us to see your image and your likeness upon the face of people. Then it's easy to forgive. Then it's easy to love. If all I see is the wound, if all I see is the disappointment, if all I see is what the enemy has perpetrated, I'll live another 21 years. Amen. But you can't go forward until you deal with that thing. And you can't deal with it in the old you. You got to get along with God. You got to get in a place where you do see his face and it changes you. Amen. 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 Is that okay? Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. Amen. I love the Lord, don't you? All I could say, Pastor, and I just want to thank, thank you. Uh, church, I, I just don't know how blessed you know that you are. I think you do know. But such passion and love and sincerity and humility, which is rare, 
today. Um, just, just in your pastor, Pastor Ezekiel and Pastor Tanya. And I am just so thankful to know them and to labor with you. And I heard this while I was in worship. And it just sprang out of me. I just said, I love you, Daddy. I love you, Abba. I love you. I mean, it just was like, it wasn't like I'm, uh, I'm just quoting scripture. No, I love you, Abba. It was like he's right here. I'm telling you, the Father is right here. And he is coming in this house to reveal and demonstrate who he is as father to this generation. There is the anointing of fatherhood coming upon your life and you will father many who have never known a natural father. They don't even know who their father is. But the anointing of the father will be upon you and upon this house to lead them in a relationship of knowing who their true daddy is. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There's going to be an equipping that comes from people realizing what their true identity is. The Lord is releasing that anointing upon this house. And the amazing thing about God is this. He uses the house, both men and women, to teach people the full nature of the Father. Hello, somebody. Amen. For he is not only protector, he is not only provider, but he is nurturer. He is the El Shaddai, the many-breasted one. Come on, somebody. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> wow. Praise the Lord. So just let his weightiness rest on you. Let his weightiness rest on you. And allow it to penetrate into the very deepest places of your soul. Let him heal the deep wounds. Let him clear up all the confusions and the questions that have been in you. He's the one. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you love him? Do you love him this morning? Come on, give him praise. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Now, since I know I'm already in trouble after I leave here. <laughs> uh, I just want my wife to just take a moment and greet you. Is that all right? Yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> I am so thankful for my beloved, and I'm just so appreciative of God's gift in my life, and that through her and the blessing and the favor of our Father, He has given us five beautiful children, Three of them are here, and we just thank the Lord for them. Amen. My oldest daughter, Summer, and her husband, Jorge, whom I just thank God for. He just, uh, Jorge, I just, uh, I'm so thankful that God brought you into my daughter's life. And, um, amen. I just, I'm just, uh, there's just so many things that God is doing. And they have produced our first grand, well, second grandson. And, um, and I'm, he's here this morning hiding somewhere back there. And that's Bastian, and we love him. Amen. Amen. 
and our daughters, our baby girls, uh, Anna Beth, which you guys know Anna, and Elizabeth, and uh, they're here this morning, and uh, just so thankful for them. And then Elizabeth, you know, she's getting ready to be married. <laughs> and I'm so thankful for Lewis, and uh, just has a, such a servant's heart. And I thank God for him, and just thank you for TDP, really. Uh, you have been a tremendous influence, especially in the younger ones, and Olivia and Anna and in Lewis's life. You hold a special place in their heart. You hold a special place in our hearts, and we thank you for that. Amen. So the Lord bless you this morning. Praise God. Do you got anything to say? I can't see. Uh, we're just happy to be here this morning, and uh, my encouragement to you is just to be you're not alone. You know, the Lord Jesus, he came really to um, make us know who the Father was. And over and over through the New Testament, he shows us that through relationship. You know, a father and a son, and then we know the bride and the bridegroom, and then uh, actually more intimately the husband and the wife. But, you know, uh, the body of Christ, how intimate can that be when we're all connected to each other? So just today, you are not alone. This is not just yours, but it's ours. And as another part of the body, our small little home group and fellowship, we're connected to you. You know, we're tendons and fingers and elbows, and all of us are just used in different ways. But I don't want you to ever feel that you're just a uh, the, over in TDP, over in Kissimmee by yourself, because we don't feel like that in Oakland. We feel like we're connected to the whole body. Yeah. So just want to remind you that today to look at those relationships, because it's not hard to know the Lord when you look at relationship like that. I mean, a parent and a child, how much more can you understand the father when you understand the relationship with how much you love your own children they need your strength they need your encouragement they look to you and we are able to give them what they need so you know may we all just grow deeper in the love of the lord and the understanding of who the father is through jesus amen, amen. amen. for one of these all morning long. Amen. <laughs> oh, wow. How much time do I have, Pastor? Did you say five minutes? <laughs> um, I apologize for not sending you any um, uh, scriptures because I'm like, is this really what you want me to speak, Lord? And, I, and, the, and the, as far as I'm concerned, the Lord is notorious for changing what I'm, I speak when I stand up. So I spend all this time studying, and, and then he changes it on you. And you give, you give all of the, uh, you know, the scripture references, and they do all the work to put it up there, and then they're like, he's not using anything. <laughs> so, so I just didn't want that to be the case. Because what I'm going to share with you, really speaks to you and in and, and two two different ways or two different things. I already preached one sermon, so I've got two more to go all right now. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful in the book of uh, of Genesis? 
I don't know if you've ever seen that before. I've read that a million times, maybe not a million, but close. And I'm like, why have I not ever seen that before? So let that just sink deep in you, okay? The Lord also just wants you to know that there is power present to heal this morning. Amen. There is power in the presence of God to heal. Now, all you need to do is believe that. That's it. And receive it. We were in a meeting. We just, we just came back from being gone two weeks in Georgia. That's where my family is at, and that's where my wife's family is at. And um, we, we left Georgia uh, as our home back in 1988 or 89. And uh, were, you, were you alive then? Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, we went to take our first pastorate. And um, uh, I was a senior pastor at the age of 24. And my wife went with me. We were in the Church of God at that time. And stayed in central Illinois for 20 years. And, uh, uh, and then the Lord sent us to Florida. We've been here 13 years. So what an amazing journey. Um, but uh, because of that, we've not been able to see our family as often as we would have liked. And so the last, it's been four years since I've been able to see, and she's been able to really see family. And um, if you knew my dad's testimony, just, you know, uh, just a powerful testimony. So anytime I've had the opportunity to be with him, I've so appreciated that. And uh, so being able to sit with him after not seeing him for over four years was just a blessing from the father. And uh, my dad is now 88 years old. Uh, and, and the miracle of that was he was actually, um, he, he died in 1968. And when he was 35 years old, killed in a car wreck, his whole upper body was crushed, every, every rib, his lungs were collapsed. He was DOA on arrival, uh, so, much, so much so they put him on the side of the road for three hours while they cleaned up the mess because he was gone. Uh, he was taken to the, to the morgue, tagged, and um, the doctor was doing final you know, examination for, for injuries to fill out the reports. Thought he saw a slight pulse. And uh, while, what was going on during that time was my dad was having an encounter with God. And I'll tell you more about that story later. No. <laughs> Do you want to know more? No. <laughs> well, here's, <laughs> I'll give you the snapshot, okay? My dad grew up in a Pentecostal home. Uh, ran from that, got into a conflict with his own dad, and um, at the age of 17, lied about his age, went into the Navy. Spent years in the Navy, came out of the Navy. Um, yeah, it just, you know, there's so much history there. But my dad was not a living for the Lord in any way. Matter of fact, when he was killed in a car wreck, he had been drinking at a bar. And uh, he had two guys taking him home, and he had passed out in the back seat. They were driving through Chattanooga, Tennessee, and um, he was hit by a car, thrown out of the car. The car that hit them rolled over the top of him, crushed his entire upper body. 
So he was DA on her, DOA on arrival. And um, so when they took, and when he died, he saw himself, and I've heard this story since 1968, and I forced him to re, retell it when we were there just a couple of weeks ago. And um, he, he just had one amazing encounter after another. For three weeks, he was in ICU. Every person that they brought into ICU during that period of time that they sat next to him, they put next to him. My dad would go out experiencing God, come back to the person that was next to him was released because they were miraculously healed. One right after another, right after another. And um, there were so many other things that happened. When he was put into a room, they, would, uh, they were Baptist pastors, Presbyterian pastors, uh, Lutheran pastors, you know, you name it, they would come. When they entered into the room, they were so, so, uh, so touched by the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Many of them were knocked against the wall, literally slid down the wall as they were filled with something they didn't even believe in. Amen. So, you know, those are the stories that I grew up with. That's just a little bit more. And uh, um, so that's, you know, and there's more. There's more, but I'll tell you that some other time. Okay. But that was, you know, my, my joy is to sit with my dad and, and to hear him share the word. Physically feeble at this point in his life, getting less and less, but still very much, very much alert. It can be a little cantankerous every once in a while. But when you're 88, you have the right to be cantankerous. <laughs> All right. And so, uh, but just so thankful to be there. But while we were there, we actually launched another home group. In a, and this has been in the plannings for a long time. No, we're not moving to Georgia. Uh, they asked us to, but we said no. Uh, but we, we did this with a, another Another relationship uh, had nothing to do really with my family, but uh, uh, it's been in the plannings for a while in God's plan, and the brother finally surrendered to it, and we met in this home, just a small group of people, and this was, was this two weeks ago now, a little over two weeks ago? Yeah. Last night would have been two weeks, been on a Saturday night, and the presence of the Lord just filled this place, and, and the Lord began to speak to me about some things I'm going to share with you today about his power. And if we and his power will be present if you pursue his presence. Not pursuing his power, but just pursue his presence. Amen. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. Well, there's reasons for that. Because things begin to happen in the presence of God. Bondages are broken. You sing about it this morning. Bondages are broken. Chains are broken. Amen. All that oppression, everything flees. Sickness and disease. Come on, somebody say amen. Listen, in, in, in his presence, he sends his wind. He sends his rain. Hallelujah. And sickness and pain, they, they give way to the presence and the power of God. And I'm here to encourage you and to build up your faith. Amen. And as we just began to just worship the Lord, share the word of God, the, the, the conversation that was had before the meeting started, most were, that were there, people were probably mid to late 70s. The oldest, I think, was 80. These all grew up in old-time Pentecost. Now, you may not know what that is, but they're looking for a power today that they saw when they were younger. 
And they ask me, why don't we see the power of God like we used to see it? And I said, well, I can't speak to your particular situation. I don't know. I said, I know that there are certain reasons because sometimes we just, we're just too fearful to give the Holy Spirit the, the, the liberty that he would like to have. You know, for whatever reason, we're worried about what people think or we're worried about what, you know, some, some people get a little crazy, you know. But that's no excuse to shut down the Holy Ghost. Listen, if miracles are popping out all over the place, I'm okay with a little crazy here and there. I had rather tell the people, you know, you need to calm down a little bit instead of the Holy Spirit. You need to calm down a little bit. Okay, I'll change the subject now. <laughs> so, but we're in this meeting, and um, it went from that being the question, and people began to just experience the healing power of God. And all of a sudden, as everyone began to pray for one another, it wasn't just one person, but supernatural miracles began to manifest. This is just two weeks ago. I mean, there was no, we didn't, have a, we didn't have an orchestra, we didn't have lights, we didn't have a smog machine. Uh, I may have had on skinny jeans, but, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it wasn't any of that. It was just pursuing the presence of God. Yeah, minimum requirement. <laughs> so, uh, so here comes, I mean, just one person after another wasn't even called out. This one older lady, she's 80 years old. She came in that night, she, and nobody knew what was going on. But I noticed earlier in the night that when we asked, just join hands with somebody, she couldn't reach her hand out. And when she tried to, she's like, no, no. And I just caught a glimpse of that. And I'm like, okay, you know. But when she came out just to be, just to be prayed for, we didn't even know why. I mean, the prophetic word of the Lord was coming, and it was bam. And... Um, here comes, you know, she's just, just a wave of the Holy Spirit, just whoa. And she just starts speaking in tongues. Man, just starts shaking, 80 years old, shaking under the power. She doesn't even know what's going on. And all of a sudden, this arm starts flying around like this. And then she goes, like, do you see what's going on with my arm? She had been in therapy for six weeks and was in excruciating pain, had not been able to lift her arm up like above this totally healed another lady who's been in the been in the been around for a long time 70 late mid 70s somewhere around there has three sons in the ministry she was killed in a car wreck many years back was biologically clinically dead as well broken back god she had an experience with god and she also experienced some other things and uh, has a powerful testimony and she's there she drove three hours from gainesville georgia to be in that meeting and um, she comes in, and, and um, man, the Holy Spirit begins to minister her. Next thing I know, she's drunk. Anybody ever been drunk in the Holy Spirit? <laughs> so <laughs> it's a sight to behold, you know. It's like, like on the day of Pentecost. These Peter says, we're not drunk like you think we're drunk, right? But she's just being overtaken by the presence of God. We lay her, set her down on, on the couch. God speaks to me about her jaw and her teeth. And I don't know what it is. I just start praying. But she, and then she had shared that. She said I, she wanted prayer for a particular thing that had just come up in the past two weeks in her body. So be praying for that. And so we prayed for that. All I can tell you, this woman, she, uh, she had a lump to develop in her breast two weeks before. She had two sisters die from the same thing. 
And that morning she checked, and it was, it was completely disappeared. No pain, no discomfort, no lump, gone. She said, I didn't know this. She said she had just had one a month before that. Is that right? She had oral surgery on her jaw and her teeth. Had no clue. Com- pain completely gone. Isn't that powerful? And then the next thing. She says she had been, that was on a Saturday. She got back home on a Tuesday, but the Thursday previous, she had went to her chiropractor and they had done x-rays on it. And she's back. She said the trip, and I've got the testimony of it on my phone. The trip there, she said, was so excruciatingly painful for her. She would have to stop. She couldn't move. She's just like, I don't know if I can even make it. And she just pushed herself. She got there. And she said that the Lord touched, took all the pain away from her back. She just felt the Lord minister. She goes back that Tuesday, the same chiropractor, and the chiropractor comes in and he's looking. They did another exam, and he's looking at it. And she said, how are you doing, Doc? She said, I'm doing good. She said, he said, how are you doing? She said, I'm doing awesome. She said, it looks a whole lot different than it did a week ago, doesn't it? And he said, she said, doctor, are you a Christian? And he said, yes, I am. She said, doctor, do you believe in miracles? He said, yes, I do. She said, well, let me tell you what God did. <laughs> yeah. And, and he, looked, he told her, he said, I just looked at you, compared the two. She said, he said, miss, uh, her name's Gloria. He said, uh, your back is almost perfect. Wow. Thank you. Come on, man. I've never been in a car wreck. And I'm only 50. Mm-hmm. I'm a- <laughs> And my back isn't perfect. 70-something years old, your back's almost perfect. I mean, just boom, boom, boom. Another sister that was there, this is Melanie's aunt, Aunt Lana, just one of the quietest ladies that you'd ever want to meet and loves God. She's, we didn't know what was going on with her, but the Lord touched her the night. Just bam, she said she felt something pop in her back. She's had this condition called spinal something or other for years. Excruciating pain, couldn't hardly stand. And she said it just stung at first, and all of a sudden, the next thing she knew, all of the pain had totally gone. Amen. Amen. I mean, that's just a few of the things that happened. There's one sister there. She's been around church a long time. She's in her 60s. And she said, um, she had told the guy that I was with there that night, happened to be his cousin, about two weeks before that, they had a conversation about people being, you know, she grew up in Pentecost. But somehow or another, she got into controlled Pentecost, if you know what I mean. So she's like, "Um, well, I just don't believe God moves like that. You know, that's just too loud and saw people being, she was watching something, people were being drunk in the Holy Ghost, and said, I just, that's just not the Holy Ghost. And said, some preacher had preached on it, she believed what he said, and said, um, and this is a girl who knows the Bible, I mean, knows it, and she said, um, you know, the Holy Ghost is a gentleman, he wouldn't do that. And I said, well, we'll just see about that, won't we? I had no I had no expectation. Next thing I know, she's as drunk as a coot, whatever a coot is, and and she's just just waylaid by the Holy Spirit. I mean, just overtaken by God. And the next thing you know, we find out she's had a chronic back condition, and she was instantly healed. Praise the Lord. 
that wasn't me. It wasn't some, you know, a super evangelist. It happened when people just said, God, we want your presence. And they began to minister one to another. Amen? Think about that. You don't know the power of God that's within you. Think about that for a moment. How much time do I have, Pastor? I'll hurry. How many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit? Amen. Three people. Wow. <laughs> Maybe I need to change the message. You know. <laughs> How many of you believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit? How many of you believe? <laughs> now, I'm going to ask you a question. Why are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Why? The scripture tells us in the book of Acts, Jesus said, everybody say Jesus said. And if Jesus said it, you can believe it. And he said, you go and wait until you are endued with power. Everybody say power. See, this isn't just power to the fivefold ministry. This isn't power to the pastor, power to the, you know, the leadership team. This is power for the believer, power for service. This is power for you. Amen? Power so that you might be witnesses unto the Lord. Now, that word witness is a very deep word. It literally speaks of the, the actual translation is being a martyr. What does mar being a martyr imply? You lay your life down for something. You lay your life down because you know it's real. You won't lay your life down for something you're not sure of. But it also implies that your life itself becomes a testimony and a witness. That you yourself are, are a witness by virtue of the fact that the same one you're witnessing about continues to function and operate through you. There's a lot of people who talk about Jesus but don't show Jesus. And this concludes our service now. <laughs> Hello, somebody. It's not, it, it, I thank God we, can, we read the Bible and we see miracles. It's not good enough to talk about miracles. That's not being a witness. The witness is when the power of Christ abides in you and operates through you. Then the power that you're talking about becomes a living example and witness that you speak the truth because what's coming out of you is equal to that which is, which is, which is coming out of your lips, what's operating in you and through you. So it's not words only. It's words with power. Now, what Paul said, I didn't come to you with words only, but I came to you in power. The kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power, power. And if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 2, that's where I'm going to go. Why are you filled with the Holy Spirit? What I'm about to share with you, this, this, uh, this has been attributed to Billy Graham, of all people. It said that Billy Graham said, if the church today, if you removed the Holy Spirit from the church today, 80 to 85%, of what the church is doing would continue to go on. But adversely, if the church allowed the Holy Spirit to come and do what he wanted to do, 80 to 85% of what the church does would stop. 
Amen? I want to tell you something. If you continue to facilitate the presence of God, God will, when you build him his house, in other words, when it's your house, you get to express however you want to in your house. Is that true? Amen? You find expression there. And literally, that's what it means in the Greek when God, when you build a dwelling place from the Lord, you are giving him his place to be himself. On. Amen. Now I might go to your house, but there's there is an inward restraint on me to keep me from just being myself. And I pray if you come to mind, that same restraint is in you. No. <laughs> but there is no place like home. Now, right? You go home, you kick back, you're free in your house. There are things you do in the privacy of your own home that you wouldn't do in somebody else's home. And thank God for that. But you just get to be who you are. The charade, the front, whatever it is, comes off, and you're able to just be who you are. God just wants to be who he is in his house. Amen? And when you build a place where his presence abides, get ready, because God just, just starts being who he is. And when he starts being who he is, and he sees someone who is broken, he brings healing. Come on. He sees someone who is in confusion, he brings direction, and he brings clarity. Amen. He sees someone bound with oppression and depression, he brings joy. This is his pleasure. That's just him being himself. So don't think you're building him a house for you to tell him how to act in his home. Is this okay, Pastor? <laughs> and I t- I, I've, I've never met anybody yet except Pharisees that went, and I didn't really meet the Pharisees, <laughs> but who didn't like it when God began to act like Himself. Hello. So allow Him to do what He wants to do. He filled you with the Holy Spirit, and I ask you again, why? And if he is, what are you doing with the very power of God that's on the inside of you? Jesus said in Mark 16, and these signs will follow the apostle only. These signs will follow those that believe in my name, in my name. They'll cast out devils, right? I like the word cast out there because it's, it's by force. He didn't say we will exercise you out. When I think of exercising a demon, it's like just wear them out until they're, so, they're just so tired. They're like, okay, I'm leaving. I'll give up. He said, you'll cast them out in the name of Jesus. Not to fight with a devil and do all of this stuff. Just tell him, use the authority of the name. In the name of Jesus, you'll cast them out. And the believer will lay hands, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Amen? If they drink any deadly thing, it'll not harm them. That doesn't mean you go drink stuff just to be testing the Lord. If they'll take up serpents, and I pray to God you're not going to become a serpent-handling church. But There's some of those around, you know. But Paul, (laughs) bring the box out, brothers. (laughs) 
<laughs> like Paul, who was, was on shipwreck in the island of Melita, and they were gathering firewood, and this viper comes out and bites him. And the, and the natives of the land said, these guys are cursed. The gods must be angry with them. Because not only were they shipwrecked, but now he, you, know, you can't get away from death. This, this viper latched a hold of him, and he'll be dead any minute now. And he shook it off, shook it off into the fire, and then he didn't, didn't have any effect of it at all. And it went from saying they are cursed by the gods to they must be gods because he should be dead. Wow. There are a lot of things the enemy has sent to some of you that is intended for your death. But the Lord wants you to know there is a power inside of you that's greater than anything that the enemy is bringing against you right now. Hallelujah. Woo, I feel the Holy Spirit. Amen. And it's okay, Pastor. I'm not going to get too crazy. Amen. <laughs> yeah, no snakes. <laughs> get ready for life. Get ready for the life of God. The Lord is bringing back joy, and I don't know why I feel this. The Lord is bringing back the joy of the ministry. Uh, I mean, it's not that you've lost it, but there is just, brother, I've been there. I'm telling you right now, there is the joy and a refreshing that's coming. It's going to be, you're going to be speaking through new eyes. You're going to be speaking with a fresh sense of vision. And, and uh, man, the, 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 the war, the battle, the struggles. I mean, the Lord is bringing a time and a season of refreshing to you and your wife. It's Pastor Tanya, both of you. Wow, the Lord is he's just going to bring it into it. And the Lord is just saying, just expect, just expect good things. Expect good things. Expect good things. Hallelujah. Don't carry, don't carry the weight of some of the things. It's not for you to carry. You just, you just believe God. You let him carry that. Scripture says, casting all, casting all your cares. Casting all your cares. Casting all. Come on, church. Come on, let's lift your pastor up. Casting all your cares. Casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Amen? Amen. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. So what's the Lord saying? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 5, or not chapter 5, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, very quickly. Give me a few minutes here and I'll be done. Now, brothers, I did not come to you with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. This is the Apostle Paul. I was with you in fear. Paul was saying, I was fearful as well. I was in weakness as well. Remember what he said to the Lord. He sought the Lord about this thing three times. And the Lord said to him, my grace. What are you teaching on? What's the theme right now? Grace, right? Charis. In every area of life, my grace is sufficient for you. For when you're weak, then am I strong. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And there was a reason for that. If you really look at that passage of Scripture, what Paul was dealing with there was actually for his own benefit because his natural man was prone to pride. And he said, due to the abundance of revelation that was given to him, lest he should be exalted above measure, there was an enemy that was allowed to buffet his mind, to 
basically so that he wouldn't exalt himself. That's what it says. And he said, God, take this from me. Take this from me. Take this from me. Now you say, well, many question, what is this about? What is this? What was it that bombarded his mind? My opinion, from what I see through Scripture, the thing that oppressed Paul the most, it wasn't some physical condition. I'm not going to argue that point. But I do see this, is that Paul struggled with the fact that he persecuted the church. He was constantly reminded of what he once did to the very people now he loves and is preaching the gospel to. And he struggles with that. And he said, remember he said, I was once the chiefest of sinners. I was the chief of sinners. I persecuted the body of Christ. Sometimes, how many of you know the enemy can do a number on your mind reminding you of all your failures? Right? And you're like, God, I don't want to think about it anymore. I don't want to remember it anymore. And the Lord says, it's, my grace is sufficient. I'll carry you through it. Amen? Amen. Amen. When you feel like you're weak, that's okay because I'm going to be your strength. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Come on, give him praise. Amen. So he said, when I did not come to you with excellency or eloquence of human wisdom. Now, I want to tell you something. I love the study of the word. This is an excuse to not study. I love to expound on the deep things of God. And he goes on and talks about that later on in this passage of Scripture because it's the Spirit that reveals the, thing, the deep things of God, the very deep things of God. So what he's talking about, and it has context with it, you've got to read first, the, the first chapter and then going into, the, into chapter 3 because people begin to identify themselves with personalities within the body of Christ. One was saying, I'm of Paul. One says, I'm of Apollos. And one says, I'm Cephas. And another is over here saying, I'm of Christ. And Paul says, is Christ divided? And, he, and if you read the first part of 1 Corinthians, he's commending them. He's, 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 he's just exhorting them. He's lifting them up. And then here comes the boom, you know. It's like the spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down, right? And then he says, now I'm going to deal with some things. Because he said, I hear, it's been told to me of the house of Chloe that, that, there, are, that there are divisions among you. And he said, I partly believe it because there are contentions going on. There, and he said, how is it that one of you says this and the other says that? And he says, I want to tell you that you should all speak the same thing. There needs to be a unity among the body. And there needs to be a unity among the body. It's not about opinions. Come on, amen. It's not about personalities. It's not about, well, I like this pastor, and I like this preacher, and I like this. It's about one. And Paul said, it's Jesus. He's the one that died for you. He said, I didn't die for you. Apollos wasn't crucified for you. Cephas wasn't crucified for you. There is one, and his name is Jesus. Amen. We're going to glory in any person, then let it be in Christ and in his cross. Amen. Is this okay preaching? All right. I'm not really preaching. I'm just exhorting. So God is so good, isn't he? Man. So think about this for a moment. What do we see in the churches today? By and large, not being critical or even, you know, just evaluating. What are most churches, it seems, that they're falling prey to? What do they focus on? They focus on the very thing that Paul said, I'm not going to focus on. On, on excellence of speech and our, and our, our gift of, of oratorial expression. 
I don't even know if that's a proper way to say it, but, but it's, it's, you know, wowing people with our wisdom. Wow, how deep that was. That was deep, man. That was so deep, I'm still trying to figure out what he said. <laughs> and I, I love those things. Remember, and it's the Holy Spirit that does search out the deep things of God. But here's the Apostle Paul saying, I didn't come to you with this eloquence or human wisdom to proclaim to you the testimony of God. I did not come to build followers of Paul. Basically what he's saying. I came to do something in the supernatural that only one can be attributed to that kind of power. And his name is Jesus. So that those who walk out of this place aren't saying, wow, what a powerful man of God. They're saying, Jesus touched me. And they go and they tell their friends, if you want to know Jesus, come to this house. Because he found a place to rest and express himself at TDP. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Woo, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Things are getting ready to shift here. You're in a shift. They're not going to shift. You're in a shift. You're coming out of this other stuff, and you're in a shift. You're getting ready to shift, not just moving into a new building. I'm telling you what. Some things are happening, and they're going to happen quick. They're going to happen quick. They're going to be gathering quick. But they'll be drawn to the presence of God. Hallelujah. The reason why I had to be visible, the reason why I had to be accessible and I had to be strategic is because people need to get to the presence of God fast. You're going to find it over and over and over again, people driving up and down that road. Supernaturally, the car's going to be jerked into the, into the, the drive, into the parking lot. It's going to happen over and over and over again. They're going to want to walk in the door, be met by the presence of God, supernaturally healed. Amen. You ready for that? You ready for that? Uh, yeah, well, you better be ready for that. <laughs> and I, I just hear the Lord saying he's bringing more help. Hallelujah. He's going to fill the spots. He's going to fill the places. Praise God. Praise God. Just hear his voice. Quit looking at giftings and abilities and Oh, are, are they really, are they going to be trustworthy? Just hear his voice. Yes, we need to know those who labor among us. But what he's building is going to have to be quick. And don't forget, you know, the 12 that he gathered together, the mess that they were in. And he walked with them and he taught them and he brought them into maturity. I just hear the Lord say, just be open to his voice. He's bringing help. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Is that okay? Amen. Hallelujah. I didn't come to you with excellency or eloquence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words. Is that what it says? Persuasive words. How much, Pastor, we do in trying to convince people with our own intellect, our own ability, our own studies. And I love this study. Trying to convince you. This is what the Greek says. This is what the Hebrew says. This is what it truly means. Listen, somebody said a long time ago, argument, uh, experience beats an argument any day. Right? You can argue the scripture or you can let God prove himself. 
Amen. I've been in it long enough, and I've been on both sides of it. I really like it when God proves himself. Amen. Amen. Come on. Amen. There are times I ask him to do it to prove me. And he didn't. But when I let him just prove his word, he'll back it up every time. Hello? So get yourself in the mix there saying, God, back me up, prove me. You speak his word. You preach the gospel. That's Paul's admonition. If you preach Jesus, you preach Jesus, you preach Christ, you preach him crucified, you preach him resurrected, you preach the gospel, he'll back it up. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you ready? All right. Closing with this. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in what? Next verse, if they've got it. But in demonstration. But in demonstration. Everybody say demonstration. demonstration. Of the Spirit and of power. But with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Older translation says, I didn't come to you with that, but I came to you in demonstration. Everybody say demonstration. Demonstration. Tell me what demonstration means. Something has to be seen. Amen. Paul didn't say, I didn't come here to just talk about it. I came for you to see a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? So that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but where? But in God's power. Come on, give him praise this morning. Amen. Are you ready? These signs will follow them that believe. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll be endued with power from on high so you can fulfill the assignment, whether in the streets or in the house. The gifts and the power of God can flow in and through you. Are you ready for that? There's going to be too many come, Pastor. You don't have enough hands to lay on people. You don't have enough time to lay on people. Jesus didn't. Amen? So he called 12, and they were equipped to do those things. He's calling you to do the work and demonstrating the power of the Spirit, whether it's here or it's in the street or at your workplace. Are you ready? You ready? Some of you, the Lord's just wanting to use you in greater measure at your workplace. How many of you are okay with that? Are you okay with that? How many of you are not okay with that? Okay, then I'll take it that you're okay with that. But you don't know where I work. Most of you know, I was a manager for three, a little over three years at Magic Kingdom, Main Street Operations, manager. Was let go during furlough or during COVID, and I was glad to say it was behind me. <laughs> and the Lord began to speak to me. And he multiple, just multiple times spoke to Melody and I. And he finally told me, 
You weren't finished there. I said, yes, I was. <laughs> because you quit doesn't mean you were finished. No. How many of you get to that place? You just want to quit. He said, you weren't finished. And I can sit here and tell you story after story about things that God did in and through my life at Magic Kingdom. I'll tell you one. Is that okay? And I say that to say this. Don't limit God. Walt Disney World is one of the most influential kingdoms in this world. I told somebody the other day I work for two of the most influential kingdoms in this world. The one is. The other is about I work for the kingdom of God and the magic kingdom. <laughs> a year and eight months ago, I was walking up Market Street. Anybody ever go to Disney World, Magic Kingdom? Anybody ever go? Come on, be honest. Let's have confession right now. All right, all right. So Market Street is a bypass that they open up for parties and when we let out the crowds and all that kind of stuff. And I was walking on Market Street, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go to your, I want you to go up to your, your, your GM, and um, I want you to tell him everything's going to be okay. And I'm like, well, Lord, he, he's, he's not a, he doesn't follow you. He's not a Christian. And there's some other things that I know, and it was like, you know, when I told the Lord that, the Lord said, oh, shoot, I didn't know that. Thank you for letting me know. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, do you know what he does? You know, do you know any of this stuff? I'm like, for all I know, I can go up and tell him. The Lord, you know, I just want you to know everything's going to be all right. He might be contemplating some kind of thing that I have no idea. You know, that's a, that's a heavy thing. You better know the voice of the Lord, right? And so the Lord said, go up and tell him everything's going to be all right and to be at peace. Said, okay. So I walk up into the executive's office. His secretary's not there. She's there most of the time. You have the secretary's room. There's a door passway to his office. His desk is to the left behind that wall. And then there's a conference table in the front. And I walked into there, and he's sitting at his conference table with his head down. And I stepped through, and he looked at me, and he said, Hey, Joe, how you doing? How, you know, how's things going? I said, it's great. He said, how can I help you? I said, oh, I just want you to know I came here to tell you. You need to know everything's going to be all right. tears came up in his eyes and he said what do you know I said I don't know anything but you need to know everything's going to be all right he said man you're scaring me <laughs> and we talked a little bit and I just encouraged him I had no idea what was going on and I told him I said all right that's all I came for and I stepped about three steps and the Lord just kind of reminded me and tell him be at peace and I said you be at peace it's going to be alright and I left about three or four months ago I was meeting with some of my other peers many of them even after being let go they call me they want to eat with me matter of fact I'll be eating with some of them tomorrow you know I don't work there haven't worked there in a year and two months three months and they're like we want to we want to we want to sit with you we want to eat with you come on you're the light of the world amen come on amen you're the light of the world. You say, well, I just, I'm just not that strong of a Christian. Listen, it's a dark world out there. You don't need a great light. 
just be just let your little one be to you shine whatever it is but let it shine amen they'll see it and they'll come to the brightness of your shining come on amen know what he said arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord has risen upon you darkness and gross darkness has covered the people but the light of god is coming upon you and they will be brought to the brightness of your shining there's nothing it's not about your your ability to convince them with with flattering words just let jesus be who he is in you You'd be amazed at what they see. Right? Three or four months ago, I was sitting with my peers, and, and I sat down with one of them, and he doesn't live for the Lord, not at all, not in any way, shape, or form. And I said to him, I said, Peter, I said, how you doing, man? How are you? And he looked at me, and he said, I'm okay. What do you know? <laughs> I said, I don't know anything. I just want to know how you're doing. And he said, man, you're scaring me. And then he tells me that he was in the GM's office a few weeks before that. This is now a year, year and about a year later since that event. And this was just a few months ago, a couple of months ago. So it's been a year or so. And Peter's saying, I was in the GM that I went into his office a year and eight months ago. And he said, he told me, you came into his office and you told him. And he said, he said, he began to tell him, I was going through this period, this time. He said, I had to make a decision. It was the hardest decision I'd ever made. And I was so heavy with it. And Joe walked into my office and he said, everything's going to be okay. Now everybody all over Magic Kingdom knows the story. Because they tell it. Amen. I didn't run around saying, hey, man, God told me to go up to the general manager. Didn't tell it. So after the Lord builds this process over the last couple of months of reminding me of a place that we felt that season, okay, it's over. It didn't make sense. There was a lot of things we were getting ready to do in evangelizing Walt Disney World and establishing Disney churches and home groups throughout all of Disney property to, to equip and to disciple. Wow. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. My family and I were part of the team that led uh, the, uh, the Easter service and the, the Christmas service the past two years. Curtis helped lead worship with my family on Disney property at that contemporary resort. Three services two Protestant, one Catholic. And there are times between the three that add up between eight to 15,000 people would actually be at those meetings. Wow. Amen. Wow. And some of you are saying, well, I can't wait to quit my job so I can do full-time ministry. <laughs> right? Well, maybe God has put you in your job to be your full-time ministry. Hello, somebody. So why, well, how, you know, why I can say that is because I used to feel that way. And then, but for years, the, uh, years, the Lord has told me to admonish the people. See your job not as just your provision, but your mission and your assignment. Amen. That's good, isn't it? Amen. 
Hallelujah. So I get a call two weeks ago on a Monday morning. The name comes across my phone. We're sitting at Melody's mom and dad's table. It's about brunch time, and we're just talking. And this is after all of these confirmations and these things, I'm like, I believe God's going to do this. And there's so many things I could tell you. We'd be here forever. Just the things would line up on line, just boom, boom, boom. I'm like, okay. I still don't want to go back, but Lord, if that's what you're saying, I'll do it. And there's some things I said to the Lord, too. I said, if this is you, if this is really what you want, then I'm asking for this to happen. I want to tell you one thing I said. I said, God, I want to see crusades happen at Dis on Disney property. And I said, one of the reasons is because I want to see the power of God fall in that place. People begin to be healed while they're in their sin. And when they experience the goodness of God while they're in their sin, they'll listen to the gospel. Amen. Amen. So I'm like, and, they're, and, and Disney's going to say, we want you to do crusades here because miracles are happening all over the place. They won't even understand why, but I believe that's going to happen. And I have, I have a semi-point of reference for that to be able to take place because of the things that have already occurred. Now, the phone call that I got on that Monday morning was from that same GM who was not, and still to this day, doesn't serve God. There's any reason for a, for a GM, a general manager to say, uh, we don't want that guy back because he's crazy. He came up into my office one day and said something. Yeah, this is the same manager. I didn't realize. It's been so long since I've been back to Disney. I didn't even remember the name. Matter of fact, the last name was, was, was the name of a cleaners that, uh, of the city I pastored in, in, um, in Illinois. And I'm thinking, what in the world is this cleaners calling me for from Illinois 15 years ago, 16 years ago now? And I'm like, and then all of a sudden it dawned on me, that's my former GM. And I'm like, and about the third ring, I turned it around and I showed Melody and she said, answer the phone. I said, I'm not answering the phone. I said, I can't. She said, answer. I said, no, no, I don't even know what to say. She said, well, you don't know what he's going to say. And I'm like, I think I do. <laughs> I'm like, I've got to go pray. Just being honest. And she said, well, what if he doesn't leave a voicemail? I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll call him back. I've got his number. And sure enough, it went ding, left the voicemail. And she said, listen to the voicemail. I said, no, I can't. I've got to go pray. <laughs> so I go and I take a few minutes and I pray. And I feel like the Lord just says, son, I've been telling you this all along. call him back and I said hey Keith how are you he said he said something and I laughed I want you to hear this this sounds so you know menial uh, what do you want to call it minimal and I laughed and he said it is so good to hear your laugh the world does not know joy even your laugh is a witness about it he said it's so good to hear your laugh and he said I'm calling and I just want to know is there what your level of interest would be in coming back to be a leader at Walt Disney World and I said okay and he said well I want to know he said where would you like to go he said we haven't had talks yet so that lets you know this is him calling on his own to get ahead of the curve and say, I want to make sure you come back 
And he says, he says, um, I just want to know what your level of interest would be. And I said, I, I would do that. And he said, where do you want to go? I said, I really don't know. I'll just pray about that. He said, okay. We talked for a little bit more. And he said, um, I asked him where he was going. He's going to Epcot. And I said, well, I like Epcot. And we joked around for a little bit. And he said, but to tell you the truth, Joe, he said, they would be foolish with, with your reputation and what you've done at Magic Kingdom. They would be foolish not to take you back to Magic Kingdom. Wow. And I said, we left it at that. Then he calls me back and he asked me, he said, if you did come back, even if it's full time, you would want Sundays off, correct? <laughs> and, the, and you don't get that choice. So why did I share that? Because you need to know that you're a light where you're at. You make a difference where you're at. Why? It's not Joe Bennett, but there is one who is in me. That John said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. In you, the believer. Not some, somebody, you know, that we, we give the, the marquee and the, and the accolades to, you know, and they're like, oh, this apostle and this pastor and this preacher. It's you. You. Come on. Amen. You. You. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for it? Come on, let's just stand up. I want you to begin to worship Him right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah.